It's a Thursday. I was up late writing the uh, Love Aid article, which is, uh, should be up very soon on NBCSports.com, RotoWorld.com. I'm a company man. Uh, Kyron Williams running back six for me this week. Some He's are saying you slept at NBC. To some, the some are saying. Like a head coach. Some in the are NFL saying. Says the very much so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Under the booth at the cafeteria. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just strange place to choose where to sleep at NBC. Um, just quickly, go try for time. But I, when I had to use the bathroom, it was your office. Oh, just, right. you know, yeah. just yeah, you know, don't you worry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is there not a bathroom in there? <laughs> Jay's? Oh, no. oh, yeah. Oh, Oops. Oops. All right. Well, then whatever. I still used it. I just like, Jay, why? Okay. Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour, and of course, a very happy Friday to you. I'm Connor Rogers, alongside Jay Croucher, and somewhere out there in the world, hello, Matthew Berry. What's up, boys? I am I'm coming to you from what I believe is a stable hotel room in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I know it doesn't appear that way. We're having all sorts of issues with my specific iPad. I can't turn off center stage, so I look slight like I look like I'm I'm slightly tilted somehow. It's very weird. The whole thing's weird. I don't know. Matthew's actually yeah. coming to us um, from Brad Pitt's The Tree of Life dream sequence, where uh, he looks like he's in between Tuscaloosa and uh, the genesis of time. Uh, looking very, very good, Matthew. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, um, anyway, roll tie. <laughs> I would go, uh, he's in a horse and carriage with a gaslit lamp. Yes, is, yes, is yes. That, that can we, also play. Yeah, we might be back in Also 18, not bad. Maybe. Yep. Yeah, so we'll, uh, but the show must go on, <laughs> as they say. The show must yes. go on no matter where Matthew Berry is. He is on the show. And with that, let's jump into our Roto World player news. Of course, for all your Roto World player news, go to NBCSports.com. And we start with the Giants 49ers Thursday night football. 49ers end up winning big, like we expected. The spread was around 10.5 points. The Niners win by 18 points. And I think the story, Jay, from a fantasy perspective, of course, is that. Brandon Ayuk doesn't play. San Francisco's big three, other big three, they have big nights starting with Debo Samuel. Yep, Debo Samuel occasionally does remind us that in 2021 he was the second best wide receiver in football after Cooper Cup. And when he does get the workload and the usage, he can still be an absolute monster. He cashed our plus 600, 100 plus receiving yards bet on DraftKings from yesterday. 12 targets. He could have had a bigger game, to be honest. Um, But for six missed tackles, I don't think anyone else in the NFL has forced more than five all season across all games. So, uh, yeah, he was the story uh, and a reminder of exactly what he can do, Connor. Barry, and it wasn't just Debo, although Debo had a huge night. George Kittle catches seven passes for 90 yards. Christian McCaffrey goes off for 85 yards rushing and, of course, gets the touchdown, adds in five receptions. I mean, the bottom line is, Barry, this offense is exactly who we thought they would be. Brock Purdy is supporting multiple players under Kyle Shanahan. I certainly don't think Kittle's game would have been as big without Brandon Ayuk, but uh, traditionally, like, the Giants struggle, and the fact of the matter is George Kittle targeted on 26% of his routes. Pretty good. Uh, pretty good number here. And so without IU, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, that's – I don't know that there's much to say here. Like, Kittle's a top five fantasy tight end. I think there's going to be good weeks and bad weeks. Um, he certainly was better than Darren Waller in this one. Uh, we'll get to the Giants in a second. But, yeah, I mean, he was, he was good. We expect him to be good. I think what we said on the show yesterday was you're starting Kittle, you're starting Debo, you're starting uh, – you're starting all these guys, and Brock Purdy was on the love list for a reason. His first 300-yard game, and as always, two touchdowns. 
All is well if you started your 49ers this week in fantasy. All is not well if you had to start anyone, it seems like, from the New York Giants, Jay. Daniel Jones, sure, 22 at 32. A lot of quick game in Brian Dable's offense to keep that San Francisco pass rush off balance. Only 137 passing yards, no touchdowns through the air. He does throw the interception. That was a prop that Barry gave out when we did our best bets for Thursday Night Football. That cashed. And, Jay, you even said it when we did our preview of this game. Don't expect much from the backfield, despite no Saquon Barkley. Yeah, I mean, Matt Breda played almost all the snaps and got four carries because of just how insane the game script was against the Giants. I mean, here's the thing. I don't think Daniel Jones played that badly. I don't think he just, he never had a chance. Not much to work with. Yeah, the offensive line up against Nick Bosa, who got his first sack of the season. Daniel Jones, he just never had a prayer. Couldn't even really get the space out to run for his life because his life was over so quickly as the pass rush came in on him. Just quickly, on Brock Purdy, I think there's the idea that, you know, Brock Purdy is a a game manager, a kind of Trent Dilfer type. They let him go to work in this offense. This is not a super conservative offense. They let him throw uh, on second and short, on third and short, instead of just running the ball. I mean, he threw the ball 37 times in what was effectively a blowout. Uh, So he's a guy who I think is going to be a viable fantasy starter a lot of weeks, Connor. So coming off that, Barry, I'll ask you, do we see maybe a higher ceiling for Brock Purdy than maybe we anticipated over the summer now that... Kyle Shanahan has given him the keys and says, listen, I have no problem having you drop back and push the ball down the field a little bit to all these weapons. Yeah, there was a couple of concerns about Brock Purdy from a fantasy perspective coming into the season. One was, would he keep the job all year, right? You have Sam Darnold there. You have Trey Lance, who has a lot of draft capital. The fact is Brock Purdy doesn't run as well. And so even if he, quote, kept the job all year, were they going to let him throw? Or is it going to be more of a game manager type role? This is a guy that was the literally last pick in the NFL draft last year and so um and we've seen previous quarterbacks under Kyle Shannon and be a little bit more game managery ish if you will Jimmy Garoppolo being the most recent example but I'm with Jay here 37 times he dropped back and if you watch the game some of those throws like the uh the first touchdown was a little bit of a prayer just I'm gonna throw it up and let let the rookie make the play uh I mean you know so the fact is is that you get a lot of padded stats. Like, I don't have the yards after catch, but, I mean, I don't know. Debo just could not be tackled. I was on uh, I was on Instagram last night, and I saw a brilliant reenactment of, uh, of what Debo was like out there uh, on uh, among all these mortals, right? And so um, are, we, are we pushing that picture? I was, there we go. There it is. There's Jay Croucher, defenders hanging off Debo. Debo didn't actually carry anyone the way Jay is in this picture. <laughs> But uh, once again, if you want to see Jay Croucher's really cute kids learn about sports betting, his Instagram <laughs> is a must-follow. Um, uh, but your daughters are adorable. There's no question about that, Jay. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, li- literally it was. Debo can't be stopped. So I, I, we talked about this yesterday with Brock Purdy, right? Is that like a five-yard out to Christian McCaffrey or Debo Samuel that then turn into a 25-yard counts as 25 yards passing. And they are being more aggressive with that play caller and Kyle Shanahan and those offensive weapons around him, along with a really good offensive line. I do think Brock Purdy is kind of a borderline top 12 fantasy quarterback. Like he's in the, I mean, again, Cousins have been red hot uh, for uh, the first two weeks of the season, but he's kind of in that Kirk Cousins range. Like you'd rather have him than Derek Carr. You'd rather have him than a lot of like, you know, I think you can make an argument like, who would you rather have, like Brock Purdy or Geno Smith, Brock Purdy or Jared Goff? I think I still prefer Geno and Goff, but I think it's a conversation and it's close, Jay, and that's the point. 
It is close. Uh, and in that photo, I only had two defenders hanging off me. I needed an extra two daughters to really replicate what Debo had. I have one more daughter, but uh, not a fourth. And uh, my wife has put a line through that, Connor, and as have I. Uh, I think with Brock Purdy, the thing is, is that he does throw it up for grabs. Like, he's making aggressive throws. Both those touchdowns, and the first touchdown pass in particular, was an excellent throw. That was the only place where he could put it where the defender didn't have a chance. Uh, and Brock Purdy, it was, it was an adventure last night. Like, he definitely, he turned George Kittle into the source gardener that one play where Kittle had to break up the interception the seatbelt celebration yeah exactly and he probably could have been picked once or twice more on top of that but he does make aggressive throws down the field in addition to the yak stuff so yeah I think he's going to be a viable starter most weeks yeah I think from the fantasy perspective you like that he's I don't want to call him a gunslinger but he definitely has little little fear in an offense that the playmakers will probably help you out more often than and not. And also, Connor, he, the one thing I will say about Brock Purdy, he has no fear in the pocket. He stares down the pass rush. That is the one thing that I think is really special about him. And because he does that, it allows these routes to unfold where he can throw it down the field because he is willing to take those hits. Yeah, and even better, you saw a lot of moving pockets last night from Kyle Shanahan, which only buys him more time. All right, let's take a look at all the injuries we've been tracking this week. Of course, a lot of DNPs did not practice from Thursday, and Jalen Waddle still dealing. Hey, J- hey uh, Connor. Oh, go ahead. Connor, before we move on, I, I just want to make one point about the Giants. We talked a little bit about the, the Niners, but just one last point about the, the Giants. I, listen, it was a lost game for them. I understand if you're a Darren Waller manager, you're going to be very frustrated. I still believe in Darren Waller. They tried to get him the ball. They absolutely tried to get him the ball, and I think they'll have more success against teams that aren't as good as the 49ers. They play Seattle next week, and that's a defense. They'll have 10 days to prepare for the Seahawks next week. And I also think, again, we said, hey, avoid this ba- this backfield, and I think that's still the right advice. Uh, but I will say that if you're desperate for a running back here, Matt Brito, what we talked about yet uh, last week, uh, yesterday, I should say, is that if you had to start a Giants running back, Matt Brita should be the guy. And he's the guy that, you know, ended up getting into the end zone. Uh, he had four for 17. He did catch a couple of balls as well. Brightwell's, uh, I think two, at least two of his rushes came when they were just basically running out the clock. Remember, Tyrod Taylor made an appearance in this game at the end as well because they were just getting blown out, blown out. So I do think that while you got bailed out if you started Matt Brita yesterday because he got you the touchdown, it still wasn't a huge game. I do think better days are ahead because we've we've heard news that uh, you know Taylor Rooks from Amazon Prime and Bleacher Report reporting that Saquon Barkley has a high ankle sprain, which makes you think this three week term- timeline is you know probably pretty accurate for anyone that thought oh maybe Saquon's coming back because he was quote close to playing according to Dave, Brian Dayball. It feels like it is um, it is a high ankle sprain, uh, and um, uh, and so knowing that Breed is going to be the guy for at least the next couple of weeks. I think there's some low-end RB2 value there now that the schedule gets easier. Seattle is a team that I think the Giants will be, able to run, will be able to run on. Yep, and even after that, they played Miami the week after. Saquon is still out. The Chargers were able to run all over Miami in week one. Uh, and with Breida, I mean, look, he only had four carries, but the thing is is that the Giants had the ball for 20 minutes out of, right. <laughs> out of an hour. Sure, uh, we they ran, the West Coast. They ran yeah. 46 plays all night. They just never had the ball at all. And in the first half, when it was a game... Matt Breida played 21 of the 24 snaps. So he is clearly the guy. Like, if you're just looking at the box score, it looks like Brightwell, you know, it was even, but it wasn't. Brightwell got a couple carries at the end. Yeah, and that's Dable's guy. I mean, Dable had him in Buffalo. Dable brings him to the Giants. It's the Matt Breida show yep. in the Gi- for the Giants until Saquon gets right in high ankle. That's not what you want to hear. That's something that absolutely no, lingers. Sir. All right, so more on injury news here. Once again, a lot of did-not practices from Thursday. Jalen Waddell dealing with a concussion from the brutal hit he took against New England. Joe Burrow did not practice. 
Um, he's dealing with that calf injury. We'll revisit that in a second. Odell Beckham and Justice Hill did not practice for the Ravens. Sounds like Bryce Young will not play. He could miss one to two weeks as he deals with the ankle injury. It'll be the Andy Dalton show for the Panthers. DK Metcalf, on the other hand, Puka Nakua and Derrick Henry. Feels like more veteran rest. Yes, they are dealing with things, but they're just not pushing them in practice. They should be okay. Doesn't look like Anthony Richardson is going to play as he deals with that concussion. It'll be Gardner Minshew for the Colts. And David Montgomery dealing with the quad contusion as we've updated throughout the week. Let's start with Joe Burrow here, Barry. He did not practice on Thursday, and we actually got to hear from Joe Burrow after practice on the injury and if he'll be able to play on the longer rest week. Let's hear from Joe Burrow. Just feeling better, not a sore. You know, time heals, so uh, we'll see. Feel like you'll be able to play Sunday? We'll see. What were you able to do today at practice? I was out there. Um, We'll see. I'm preparing like I'm going to go out and play a Monday Night Football game. Whether that happens, I don't know, but I'm going to be prepared to. Barry, not the most uh, optimistic breakdown from Joe Burrow. This truly feels like a game-time wait-and-see-what-he-can-do. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> On to we'll Cincinnati. See. On to Cincinnati. Look, I mean, the, the key here is is that the fact that he didn't practice on Thursday is merely a Wednesday practice. They play the Monday night game, so that's the you know their schedule is a week a, a day a day later. So again, if he doesn't practice on Saturday, then you're like you know, sort of nervous. Let's see if he does any work today as well. What I would say, though, is, again, because it's not only the Monday night game, but it's the second Monday night game. Once again, we have two games on Monday night. That always drives me crazy. I want one game on Monday night, one game on Sunday night, one game on Monday night, one game on Thursday night. Stop with the multiple games in prime time. That's me. This is my own personal feeling. That said, it's the second primetime game on Monday night, which means that if you have Burrow, You either need to try to grab Matthew Stafford, who's still out there in a number of leagues. That's who Cincinnati plays on Monday night. They play the Rams. Or if Stafford is gone in your league, you either need to, A, get comfortable with Jake Browning as your starter, or look elsewhere on the waiver wire and just chance it again. um, Wait to see. I mean, uh, one thing you could do is maybe we get more news. Think about this. The Sunday night game is is uh, Steelers-Raiders. I actually think both uh, Garoppolo and – I think that's going to be a sneaky high-scoring game, and I actually kind of like Kenny Pickett. I know he's been bad for two weeks, but he's probably out there in a lot of leagues. So you could grab Pickett as a pivot and hope you get news by Sunday night or see how your game is going. And maybe maybe if your game's going and you're up by a, a decent amount, you could say, like, you know what, I'll risk it with Jake Browning or whatever. You know, and if, if you're like, up oh, now it's close, I'm going to need a good quarterback game, then maybe you go grab – Kenny Pickett. But either way, just be aware. Watch the practice reports today. This is nerve-wracking until we know whether or not Joe Burrow is going to go. It's the last game of the week. The one thing I will say is, regardless of whether Joe Burrow is in or out, if I have Jamar Chase, if I have T. Higgins, if I have Joe Mixon, I'm starting them regardless of who's under center. They're too good to bench. And Jay, as we sat down to record the show, the Bengals did bring uh, Reed Sinet onto their practice squad. I know he was with them during the summer, and 
you know, obviously, Sinet's not somebody that you're looking at, you know, going crazy over. Yeah. But the fact is, they need a backup for Jake Browning if Joe Burrow can't play. So they're preparing for all scenarios. This truly seems up in the air. Yeah, and so the line for this game, Connor opened at Bengals minus six and a half when it seemed like Burrow would play. Then it went all the way down to one and a half, and now it's back at three. And this three is a fake line. Like, it's not going to finish at three because if Burrow doesn't play, it'll go closer to pick. If he does play, it'll be more like six. So... I think this is a true 50-50, and I'm in a Scotty Fishbowl league where Superflex, I've got three quarterbacks, Brock Purdy, Matthew Stafford, Joe Burrow. Normally, I would have started Stafford and Burrow. Because of the Burrow uncertainty, I just started Purdy, and then I'll see Stafford Burrow, who's ready to go. I might just start Stafford anyway because of the uncertainty. But yeah, to Matthew's point, I think you kind of need to pick up Jake Browning. Wild. If you've got Burrow. Yeah, Yeah. wild. If you don't have a quarterback that can play this weekend to be safe. On some other... Have a plan. Yeah, have, have a plan. Exactly. On some more positive injury news here, Kenneth Gainwell did return to Eagles practice. He was dealing with the rib injury. It was just a limited session for Gainwell. But we also heard from Nick Sirianni on potentially just sticking with DeAndre Swift if the hot hand is rolling that way. Let's hear from Sirianni. We're going to ride the hot hand. Um, do I think it's sustainable? I mean, I, shoot, I think he's, you know, his body's ready to go and, you know, I don't ever want to put an expectation on anybody of, you know, we'll, we'll, if he's got the hot hand on, on uh, Monday night, we'll keep ro- rolling with him. So we feel we feel really good about the work he puts in to make sure that his body's right. And, uh, you know, you know, it's hard not to you know, run a ball like that, give it to him 35 times. You know, it's hard not to do that. Nick Sirianni on the state of the Eagles' backfield right now. Jay, how do you look at this group if Gainwell comes back, Swift coming off of a monster week? It's a team that we thought coming into the year they were going to split the carries anyway. Injuries have kind of dictated something else, but how do you break this situation down? So the way I'd break it down is I think DeAndre Swift, and we spoke about this earlier, but I think DeAndre Swift is the highest variance player in fantasy the rest of the season because there is a chance that – particularly with Gainwell injured and maybe not 100%, that if he gets another week to be a workhorse back, maybe they just stick with him because he is super talented. He's never played in a context that is this good and this favorable. And he could be a top five running back in fantasy this year. He could also in two weeks just be the second or third stringer. So I would say the approach with DeAndre Swift in particular is that if you're in a league where you've started 0-2 and you need to make a home run swing, try and trade for DeAndre Swift, someone who's not comfortable with the situation in Philadelphia because he has just tremendous upside Connor. Barry I know that Gainwell comes in right now as RB30 for you as they get ready to play the Bucks. what would you do with this backfield if you were rostering these guys is there anybody that you potentially might just sit this week no 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 I think I mean I I, I mean again I have Gainwell at, at running back 30 so I don't have him listed as a starter except in a deeper league I would start DeAndre Swift if they had him uh, you heard Sirianni. I like the fact that Sirianni sitting there going like, yeah, I have no problem running him 35 times. That's the comments of a kind of guy that has clearly never had DeAndre Swift on his fantasy roster because um, that's never happening. Um, uh, you know, we love DeAndre Swift. Certainly, if I'm playing an Eagles running back this weekend, it is DeAndre Swift. He'll have the opportunity to continue the hot hand that he started last week against the Vikings. All that said, it's going to be a committee. My expectation is that Jalen Hurts starts to get going as well. Like, he's been a little bit slow to get going. Um, and what I would do with this backfield to answer your initial question is, is that whoever I had, I would stay put. Because I do think Kenneth Gainwell will have value this year. And clearly Swift is going to have value this year. And what we talked about after that Vikings game is that the fact is, is coming into the year, we thought it might be a four-headed monster. 
adding in Rashad Penny and Boston Scott. And I think what we can feel confident about saying is, is that unless there's an injury to either one of these guys, that Boston Scott and Rashad Penny aren't going to be a thing. Kenneth Gainwell was out in week two, and still Boston Scott and Rashad Penny couldn't get a sniff. So a backfield that's really only two people, Swift and Gainwell, that we can work with. We can work with that because that offense is that explosive. That offensive line is that good. They're not that run heavy. I mean, they will be run heavy, but you know what I mean? Like, it's a we can work with that. So I think Swift is a RB2 with upside. I think Gainwell is a flex play, uh, a low-end flex play at least this week until we see how it shakes out a little bit. But, um, yeah, there's going to be value for both those guys in the backfield this year. Jay, another backfield getting healthy. Aaron Jones returned to practice for Green Bay on Thursday. He was limited right now, and he's been dealing with this hamstring injury that I think at first kind of came out of nowhere. We didn't know how long he'd be out. He ends up missing some time. Obviously, a team that has no problem going back to A.J. Dillon. But the kind of juice that Jones brings to this backfield and how important he is to fantasy rosters right now, him playing in any capacity would be huge. Yeah, and if Aaron Jones is good to go, you've just got to fire him up and start him in every league. The Packers are one-and-a-half-point favorites over the Saints. He's, he's Aaron Jones. He just has to play. If for some reason he doesn't play, A.J. Dillon, who I think would have disappointed people last week given that he was only 15 for 55, only had the one reception, didn't get in the end zone, the Packers only ran 47 plays in that game because they couldn't get Bijan and Tyler Algier off the field. And so they just never had any time of possession. So if Jones can't play, then A.J. Dillon is, I would think, a top 20 player this week, Matthew. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Barry, one we more. Move yeah. on. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you kind of pulled the Joe Burrow on there, which I actually yeah, completely, we'll see. completely respect we'll see in that Jay, spot. We'll see if Jay is right. We'll see if Jay's right. We'll see. We'll see. Our we'll last... see if Joe's, Jay's right. Our last one here, Panthers writer Darren Gant said Bryce Young is not expected to play in Week 3 against the Seahawks. We've even seen uh, some reports out there this, that this ankle injury could be a one- to two-week injury. Barry, getting away from Bryce Young because he's not fantasy-relevant right now, and his replacement, Andy Dalton, won't be fantasy-relevant either. But Andy Dalton coming into this team playing under center, how does that impact maybe Adam Thielen, Hayden Hurst? It doesn't feel like the offense gets worse with Andy Dalton taking over at this moment. I think it gets better uh, fantasy-wise. Again, Bryce Young's the future, and you understand I'm in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where Bryce Young drinks for free anytime he wants to, right? So, um, uh, you know, Bryce Young is God here, and rightfully so. But I will say that in the short term, uh, I do think this offense will be better under Andy Dalton, who is a, you know, uh, and I say this with respect, a professional quarterback who can make plays and do the reads and and get the ball out. And I think is likely going to be a little bit more aggressive than Bryce Young is at the moment. I, I think it's good news for Adam Thielen. I think it's good news for Hayden Hurst. And I do think it's good news for Jonathan Mingo, who I think is somebody players should go out and grab and stash. Very quietly last week, Jonathan Mingo had a 95% route participation. And again, it didn't totally show up in the fantasy box score. But the fact of the matter is, is that if he's out there on that many routes, he's the future in Carolina, not Adam Thielen. Kennedy, not even Hayden Hurst. We'll see about DJ Shark at some point. But, like, I don't know. I think Jonathan Mingo is one of those guys that, like, I would grab and stash before you have to go out and um, compete for him. So I do think Dalton, they'll be a little bit more open pass-wise uh, with Dalton under center. It's not a matchup that scares you against the Seahawks either. So... Uh, I think this helps both those guys. And I think, you know, Thielen becomes, you know, Hayner's becomes a viable tight end too under Hurst. I'm, I'm sorry, under Dalton. And, uh, you know, Adam Thielen is a low-end wide receiver three who, you know, put up good numbers last week. 
Jay, and I think to further enhance that point, the injury to Bryce Young feels like hasn't moved this line at all, right? No. I mean, it's been bouncing around between four and a half and five and a half, but that doesn't really mean anything. So a few games actually finish with a five-point margin. I'm with Matthew. I think this makes their offense better, if anything. Bryce Young has been the worst quarterback in the NFL by PFF grades so far. And look, he's played two games. Like, he's young. He's going to be good eventually. But right now, he's not really helping this offense succeed in the passing game. And I agree that Jonathan Mingo, who was playing basically every snap, uh, and had eight targets uh, against the Saints. I think he is a guy... Like, his receiving prop on DraftKings is 36.5. For a guy who plays almost every snap and uh, got a lot of targets and is a part of this offense, I think that's a little bit too low. Uh, so for deeper leagues, I think Mingo is viable. The toughest competition of the year is here. The biggest talents in men's rugby take the stage as 20 countries compete for 20 days of heart-pounding, hard-hitting action at the Rugby World Cup. Watch every match live on Peacock. All the way through the final on October 28th with games also available on CNBC. And, of course, somebody always drinks free here at the Happy Hour Bar. And it is absolutely the Collingwood Magpies. Jay, your boys are uh, off to a championship. Yes, we won the equivalent of the NFC title game this morning, Connor. There we go. Uh, Caught a preliminary final in AFL speak. But Matthew called the, the Greater Western Sydney cover. But the Pies won and they're in the grand final. Uh, very happy. Normally when I'm sweating stuff, it's for gambling. It's good to kind of have a, a just a more more reasonable, kind of wholesome sweat just cheering for my team, Connor. What time did you have to wake up to watch this? It was 5.50 a.m. And oh, let me tell you, one of the worst things about uh, following an Australian football team is that the games overlap with getting your kids ready for school in the morning. So it wasn't an idea. It wasn't a great display of parenting by myself this morning, but it was a great display of uh, football from the Collingwood Magpies. I got to be honest with you. I'm impressed because I would have just said, hey, there's no school. I would have just said to my kids, there's no school. It is what it is. You know what school is? We're going to learn We're going to learn about how to root for the Collinwood Magpies. Because, like, the only – how many kids go to school? You only have a five-year-old that goes to school, right, Jay? Yeah. Yes, correct. Right. What's she going to learn? She's not yeah. going to learn anything. She's going to yeah. learn not to eat paste. Whatever. You can teach her that on the weekend. Like, seriously. Like, she's five. She can miss a day. Yeah, This it's is true. important. you got a chance to go to the finals. Yeah, I believe there is a Jewish holiday on Monday, and I'm not Jewish, but we could have said we're Jewish and the holiday is Friday today, and we could have just all uh, stayed like on. But alas, learning up uh, on the next it is Yom Kippur. It is Yom Kippur on Monday. It is the Day of Atonement, and um, uh, I will be in studio, even though I'm I'm uh, Jewish. I will be in studio atoning for uh, atoning for probably a, a you know a handful of bad calls <laughs> this weekend. I'm sure handful of that things. hasn't come yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's a little slice of atonement. Let's not uh, redo East Lansing in Tuscaloosa. With that, we'll take our first break. When we're back, it's What's on Tap. We're looking at the highest totals going into this weekend's slate. Saturday, the Ohio State Buckeyes are heading to South Bend to take on the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame in primetime. Also worth noting, Barry, your undefeated Terps. Take on Michigan State in your favorite spot, East Lansing. That's at 3.30 on NBC and Peacock. Also, while we're at, uh, on break, David Montgomery, who sit here and tape on Friday, not practicing. OBJ and Justice Hill also not practicing for the Ravens. So get your Craig Reynolds and Gus Bus lineups fired away. All right, it's What's on Tap, Bud Light, What's on Tap, the official beer sponsor of the NFL at the Bud Light Bar here on the Happy Hour. As we look at the matchups with the highest point totals of the week here, Jay, we are going to start with the Chargers traveling to Minnesota to play the Vikings. This over-under 
is at 54. I believe that might be one of the highest, if not the highest, we've had of the entire season right now. So let's start with the Chargers here. How about a confidence level check in Josh Kelly after a little bit of a disappointment last week? And yes, he ran to a buzzsaw. No Austin Eckler, though, so we know the volume will be there for Josh Kelly. Yeah, certainly a lot higher confidence level than last week going up against the Titans. Uh, this Vikings run defense uh, against Philadelphia looked like the 22 Houston Texans, Connor. So I think that Josh Kelly, uh, I would be firing him up in almost every league, uh, just given that the total is six points higher than any other game on the board and the favorable matchup against the Vikings defense. Barry, staying with this offense and the Chargers, quiet start for Quentin Johnston, their first-round pick at wide receiver. He just ran only – he's only played uh, fewer than 30% of their snaps in both their games this season. Is Quentin Johnson still a guy you're interested in stashing on a fantasy roster? You know, listen, it's an explosive offense. And the minute something happens to Keenan Allen or Mike Williams or even Josh Palmer, we could see Johnson get more on the field. I don't mind dropping him right now if you have a need. If, you know, I wouldn't drop him just to drop him. But if you have a need, I don't mind it because I don't think anyone's picking him up anytime soon. So if you start seeing his route participation – um, he starts seeing some targets increase. You know, maybe, maybe um, you know, he's playing more snaps. Then you can maybe pick him up and stash him because we have seen a lot of rookies start slow, not do anything, and then second half of the year, his rookie wide receivers especially, really, uh, you know, kind of go off. But it doesn't look like that's in the cards anytime soon for Quentin Johnston, given how well the Chargers' skill players are playing. That's not really a chance for him to get on the field. So I don't mind dropping him. I wouldn't drop him just to drop him. But, again, if there's somebody better, like I would tell you this, I would drop him for Jonathan Mingo, just to give you an example of somebody that's probably also out there in your league. Jay, when you look at the struggles of this Chargers defense, and it's been really, really rough for Brandon Staley, but the confidence in Justin Herbert, does that give you some optimism for later on for Quentin Johnson at least? I mean, I think you look at it, it's not quite the same thing, but you look at him the same way you look at like Tajay Spears or Tank Bigsby. Like it's looking like he's only going to provide value uh, if a Chargers wide receiver goes down. And even then, there's no guarantee. Like we know Tajay Spears would become a huge fantasy weapon if Derrick Henry was out. We don't necessarily know that about Quinton Johnson, but at least there is upside there. Uh, and look, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, they do tend to get hurt. So there is a chance that he provides value. But yeah, I wouldn't be hanging on to him uh, if there are better options on the wave of wild. In the On the Minnesota side of things in this game, different story for their first-round rookie wide receiver. They've leaned on Jordan Addison. Jordan Addison averaging over 16 points in fantasy through the first two weeks. He's been helped by simply getting in the end zone both weeks, Jay. But when you look at Addison right now, is he kind of deemed himself as an every-week starter in fantasy because the volume of this passing offense is very, very high. It helps that they have talent under center and at wide receiver, but also this is another defense that feels like they put their offense playing behind constantly. Yeah, definitely. And look, Kirk Cousins is the favorite on DraftKings to lead the league in passing yards, and so I think that he is perfectly able to support three different receiving options, and that's obviously Justin Jefferson, it's obviously TJ Hawkinson, and then I think it's Jordan Addison as well. And look, his first two weeks, it's been a little bit fluky because he hasn't had a ton of targets, and he's been dependent on these bomb touchdown throws, but at the same time, I think that is mitigated by the fact that he's a rookie. He's played two games. He's going to grow into the season more and more. And this team projects to throw as much as any in the competition. Barry, where does Addison rank for you coming into week three after an impressive start for the rookie wide receiver? Yeah, I'm at wide receiver 34, and I certainly could be too low. The, the touchdowns are you know, somewhat unexpected. You don't expect them to score one every single day. But to your point about them getting more confidence in Jordan Addison, 56% of the snaps in week one, 71% in week two. It is a team that's going to throw quite a bit. 
His production is coming, I think, at the expense of K.J. Osborne. I agree with Jay. There are three fantasy-relevant pass catchers on this team. It's clearly Jefferson and Hawkinson. That's one of the reasons why I'm down on Osborne this week. He's my wide receiver, 48. But again, um, 76% of his of Jordan Addison's total yards have come on touchdowns. Of his receiving yards have come on touchdowns on those long, deep plays. But you know what? That's part of his game. They are going to take shots. This is a defense uh, that gives up big plays. It's worth noting that no team in the NFL has given up more deep receptions this year than the Los Angeles Chargers. You can throw deep on them. We saw what the Dolphins did to them in week one. We, um, you know, we've, we've seen uh, even the Titans, the, you know, the high-flying Titans of all people. Like, you know, the Titans were able to move the ball effectively. We saw Traylon Burks catch a long one against them. So, uh, so yeah, um, I do think Jordan Addison is a high-variance but upside wide receiver three play this week. Connor, where'd you have Addison ranked among your wide receivers in the draft? Wide class? receiver two, only yeah. behind JSN. I was actually a little higher on him than I feel like a lot of people. I, I thought he was a clear first-round player. I didn't care about the size. It's also an amazing landing spot if you're a draft yeah. analyst. You love when this happens because, as Barry hinted, this is a team that throws the ball. They like to live in 11 personnel, and that's why we brought up K.J. Osborne. He still played 93% of the snaps. The wide receivers yeah. live on the field. They understand how to get them in space. Addison's for real. He's going to be a consistent fantasy threat, especially in PPR, because the targets are there. You, as much as we love to pepper Justin Jefferson with, with as much volume as possible, you have to have somebody else. That's why they had Adam Thielen succeed for so long. I think the ceiling of Addison in this offense is much higher than what we saw from Thielen last year. Yeah, and we're going to see games like last season when uh, the Vikings played the Patriots, and Bill Belichick's like, oh, well, I'm just going to bracket Justin Jefferson. Now, he still had a massive game anyway because he's Justin Jefferson, but I think there will just be games where teams just say... Justin Jefferson cannot beat us, and it's going to be Addison and Hawkinson who get uh, more of the targets. That's exactly right. Okay, with that, let's move over to our next high total here, and that is the Broncos traveling to Miami. Miami favored by 6.5 points. The over-under in this game is set at 48, which might seem like a little bit of a surprise considering how the Broncos' offense has been under Russell Wilson over the last year. But when you look at what the Dolphins are doing on offense, Jay, I mean, that's why these totals are going to be this high this week because they can carry it on their own. Let's start with the the problem of this game, though. That would be the Broncos. Is there, you know, some attraction to using Russell Wilson as a streamer this week? We have a lot of quarterback injuries. Russ hasn't been bad under Sean Payton. I know we want more from him, but is he a streaming option? I think so. I think Russell Wilson's been fine. He looks better than he did last season. He doesn't look like Seattle MVP candidate Russell Wilson, but he is airing it out. He's using his legs a little bit. Uh, And look, I think he's in that group with Jared Goff and Brock Purdy and Geno Smith and these type of guys who are perfectly viable if the matchup is attractive. That's right. Okay, Barry, when you look at the Broncos' offense, anything else that interests you from a fantasy perspective right now? We've seen Russ. uh, He's been better since they moved on from Nathaniel Hackett last year. He still hasn't played like peak Russ, but he's been better. Does that help anyone else out in this Broncos offense? Yeah, I mean, I think you obviously Sutton and Judy, we're waiting to see them um, really kind of emerge here. It'll be interesting to see on Sunday, did Marvin Mims earn more targets? Right now they're not committing to that. But, you know, they only got like, you know, I think he only played five snaps or six snaps but obviously made the most of them. So we'd love to see Marvin Mims get more run. I have Javante Williams as a top 20 uh, fantasy running back this week. So, look, it's a high-scoring game, and I always like to use high-scoring games in this uh, as kind of a tiebreaker. So depending on who else you have on your team, if you've got Cortland Sutton and you've got Jerry Judy and you're thinking about using them versus somebody else, you know, I use it as a tiebreaker. Yeah, give me the guy in the the higher-scoring game. 
I don't know why iPad's going up and down, by the way, just noticing that. Like, I, like I, I'm trying to sit still. Like, I can't get off the camera thing that, like, I don't know, it's a whole thing That's on my it. iPad but um, uh, that I'm doing here. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's sort of, you know, as always, check my rankings. Tune into Fantasy Football pregame Sunday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern, right here on Peacock, and we'll get you set for it. But do I think Russell, to Jay's point, do I think Russell Wilson is playing better and competent enough to keep fantasy relevant players afloat, I do. Obviously, his score last week was inflated by the Hail Mary, which you can't expect to repeat. But I have him as a top 12 guy. I'm on my others receiving votes, Loveless, Loveless this week because he's running more to Jay's point, 56 rushing yards last week. And this should be a high scoring game where he's going to have to throw to keep up. Yep. And uh, Terrence Malick's tree of life got pretty weird around the 39-minute mark as well, so it would make sense that Matthew's iPad uh, goes off the rails uh, given his current setting. Let's dive, into, no, let's dive into what everybody's really tuning in for in this game, and that's the Miami offense. Now, Barry, the, the thing is with this Miami offense, we know how great Tyreek is. We know what Tua can do under Mike McDaniel, but there might be no Jalen Waddle in this game as he's still not practicing due to the concussion. What does that do for the other Miami pass catchers in McDaniel's offense? I think it elevates them. I don't know that it elevates them enough to you feel like, oh, these guys are absolutely must-starts. I think, but if you're in a super deep league, if you're truly desperate, if you're playing DFS and you're looking for a cheap option, Braxton Berrios, who's played 43% of the snaps, has an 11% target share so far this year. He's kind of interesting. River Craycraft, 35% of the snaps, a 10% target share. Berrios to me is the more interesting one just because I feel like he's just been around a little bit longer, right? He's got a little bit more experience in this offense with Mike McDaniel. And so, um, uh, and just more experience in the NFL. So, and he's got a slightly hard, higher target share and snap rate. So, various over Craycraft for me, but maybe some Durham Smythe as well. You know, they just they mix and match. It, it's hard to say that you'd feel great about starting any of them because neither of them are, quote, Jalen Waddle. But again, if you're desperate, why not target somebody that's in a high flying offense that's going to be in a high scoring game? I think we've said the words Derm Smythe uh, every show for the past three weeks, so it's good to uh, to keep the streak alive. Uh, yeah. In, in terms of hopefully he'll earn some of it. Hopefully he'll earn some of it. Yeah, indeed. We River Craycroft. River Craycroft also uh, developing his own streak. Uh, look, with Jalen Waddle, I mean, the main beneficiary, honestly, is probably just going to be Tyreek Hill. Uh, and if you're any concern about Tua, I wouldn't. As long as Tyreek Hill and Mike McDaniel are still there, I'm fine starting Tua. He's just must start every single week in this offense. And also a sneaky thing is that it looks like Teron Armstead is going to play. He's getting in limited practices. The buzz from Mike McDaniel was that he was probably okay to play on Sunday night against the Patriots. They were just being conservative, and he wanted to play. So I suspect he's going to be out there, and this offense could look even better with him back. Jay, let's stick with Tua right now. What does he have to do to not gain ground, because it's dead even, and it's going to take a lot, but to really start to separate himself in this MVP conversation, especially when you're dealing with Patrick Mahomes, who's always going to get the benefit of the doubt? Look, I think team success is such a big part of MVP. And if the Dolphins, if they get the one seed and Tua keeps up with, you know, these lead-leaguing efficiency stats, then I think that he's going to be someone who can win MVP. Because he was a candidate last year, which I think people forget because of how his season ended. But, you know, he was right there behind Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. And he's someone who, I mean, he, he just looks better than he did last year as well. Like, I think back to the Chargers game he played last year. He was terrible. And then he just absolutely eviscerated them in week one. He's just making better decisions. He's second year in the offense. I think we just have to treat him like a top five, top seven quarterback going forward. 
All right, let's get into our last game here. Also, another point total set at 48. It is the Bears traveling to Kansas City. The Chiefs, not a huge surprise. They're favored by 12.5 points. It has been some kind of week for the Chicago Bears. And as we've said on this show, they're either going to respond to all of that and make this interesting, or this could be the beginning of the end of their absolute season. So, Barry, we will start with the Bears is DJ Moore a sell high after last week, or are you still optimistic about him going forward? Yeah, I mean, I'm still optimistic about him going forward, and I also don't think you can quote sell high because I don't think his value is all that high. I mean, again, with all the drama going on around Chicago in the passing game, you don't feel great about DJ Moore. So I'm hanging tough on him because I think the upside of DJ Moore, um, you know, being a number one wide receiver for an offense that we hope gets a lot better and just knowing his skill set and how he's been able to produce with bad quarterbacks throughout his career. uh, I think the upside there is much greater than whatever you'll get on the trade market for DJ Moore right now. So I would hang tough with DJ Moore and you're starting him against the chiefs. It's worth noting that Kansas city has allowed the fifth most targets to wide receivers through two games. So, um, you know, again, as 12 and a half point dogs, the bears should be throwing early and often against KC. Yeah, we'll see what kind of adjustments this offense makes after Luke Getze's kind of been under fire, um, even maybe by his own quarterback, although those comments were clarified. And listen, it was kind of interesting, too. We had a clip of Devin White saying to DJ Moore, they ain't using you right. So as you see it right here um, in a mic'd up situation that feel, it was on the Bucks side of things. But even other players around the league, Jay, are noticing some of the dysfunction of the Bears offense right now. It's so crazy that this got out in the first place. I can't <laughs> yes, that's it. question this number one. a very one. strange release from the box. I love it. Uh, look, I think your optimism around the Bears' offense in just all phases, it just comes back to, do you believe in Justin Fields as a passer? Because we know what he can do on the ground. It's just a question of whether he's getting designed runs called. But, I mean, Connor, you watched a lot of his college tape, obviously, and you've seen him in the pros. Do you think there's much more there as a passer, or is this just who Fields is in your throw? He's just hesitating, and he's yeah. playing slow. That's what it comes down to. And it's, it's not just the passing. He's been a guy that it, it takes a little while to load up and get the ball out. But he has such a powerful arm. And he had a really accurate an arm in college that you thought he could get away with it behind a good offensive line. He hasn't been behind a good offensive line. I think the lack of running this year is a massive disappointment from Justin Fields. Because you know you're going to be under pressure. They're not designing runs for him. He's also not scrambling a lot. He's taking way too long to make that decision to scramble. And clearly there's the, some dysfunction of the actual calls in this offense. Whether it's lack of creativity I know they ran that exact screen back-to-back plays. It seems very obvious. And, you know, I'll kind of send this back to you, Barry. The Bears have a lot of dysfunction throwing the ball right now from what they're getting under center. Does that give you any hope of the future for handing the ball as Roshan Johnson's ascent has kind of begun and fantasy managers are taking notice? Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think we have to all be excited about Roshan Johnson. Like, because... Backup running backs, generally speaking, have two paths to fantasy success. Number one is the person in front of them gets hurt, or for whatever reason, there's suddenly an opportunity to start. The other way is just that they turn out to be better, and they just they actually win the job. And so Roshan Johnson, who started the season fourth on the depth chart, we talked about this early in the preseason on uh, on this show, where it was just like, well, you've got Khalil Herbert, you've got Deontay Foreman, they've got Travis Homer, who's good on third down. It's going to play some special teams. So Roshan Johnson's actually fourth on the depth chart. Well, we're already two weeks in the season, and Roshan Johnson basically splitting touches with Khalil Herbert. Deontay Foreman was a healthy scratch last week as well. And so obviously if anything were to happen to Herbert, it would be Roshan Johnson. But the fact of the matter is, is Roshan Johnson just might honestly be better 
than Khalil Herbert and win this job outright on pure talent. And so as a result, I think Roshan Johnson is an interesting guy this week, um, but certainly somebody that needs to be rostered in, in a lot more leagues because I do think uh, as the season goes on, they're going to lean on Johnson more and more. Jay, let's jump into the Kansas City side here and figuring out this wide receiver group has not only been tough for the Chiefs, it's been tough for everybody in fantasy as well. And you have Kadarius Toney there who did not practice on Wednesday and Thursday. He's now dealing with a toe issue. It feels like, unfortunately, it's always something with Kadarius Toney. Sky Moore has not gotten off to the start that we all hope for, although there's some optimism in recent weeks or in recent days. Is there any Chiefs wide receiver that you feel okay starting at this point? Not that I feel great about. I think Justin Watson is the best receiver on that team at the moment, which is crazy given this team is literally the favorite to win the Super Bowl with Justin Watson as wide receiver one. Look, it's Kelsey, it's Mahomes, it's Pacheco, and then after that, it's a little bit grim. I do think the offense is overall, Connor, will look better now that Kelsey is healthier. He wasn't 100% last week. He was not right. Uh, and the fact that you know he should be better for the run, I think that will help the whole offense. The most interesting guy to me is still Sky Moore and just seeing if he has any upside. He caught the bomb last week, but still he's not really getting the targets. I just think this is going to be an egalitarian offense and it's just going to be Mahomes, Kelsey, and then Pacheco. I think what's frustrating with Moore is he's getting the snaps and he's getting the routes. Besides MVS, he's the guy that's out there. But we always say it's a lot of cardio because he only has a 9.1% target share. So he's out there, but he just hasn't been overly effective and not in sync with Patrick Mahomes. Barry, how do you rank these guys coming into week three? So a bunch of different things. First off, I would love Justin Watson to become a thing. I'm with you, Jay. I don't get why this guy doesn't get more run. I have him in a deep dynasty league. Uh, by the way, a deep dynasty league with that lost Cooper Cup and Austin Eckler didn't have Travis Kelsey in week one. I need Justin Watson uh, to be and a pain. thing. I, and I lost Brandon Cooks. Like it's 12 team, 33 man rosters. Like it's super crazy deep. Anyone with a pulse is viable in that league. Uh, I just traded for Cedric Tillman this morning, actually. Um, Connor, I know you like him Great quite a move. bit as right. Yeah. So anyway, but the fact is, is that, so I wish Justin Watson would become a thing, but so far he just hasn't been. He's been there for a while, so I don't know what it is, whether they just don't feel comfortable with him and they they think he has to have a narrow route tree or he's just just a deep threat. I don't know what it is. I have Kadarius Toney ranked the highest of any of the Chiefs wide receivers. He leads the Chiefs in target share. Now, it's 13%. To your point, you know, earlier, Connor, you're just saying like, ah, Sky Moore only has a 9% target share. Kadarius Tony leads Chiefs wide receivers with a 13% target share, which just sort of sort of tells you just how much they spread it around. But I guess if I have to pick someone, again, Kadarius Tony is my highest-ranked Chiefs wide receiver, and he's wide receiver 51. I, you know, so it's just like, but Kadarius Tony again. I, I feel like they after week one they went to him a lot in week one. He, he made a bunch of bad drops. They went back to him in week two. The Bears have been a bottom six pass defense through the first two weeks. They're 12 and a half point favorites. I do think they, I know they really like Kadarius Tony there and they want to get him going. So it feels like they might have a package for him. I have Sky Moore at 56. Again, it's just who scores the touchdown? We just don't know. That's the problem is because Mahomes is just so talented and they just have so many guys that they scheme up. And it's just, it really feels like Kelsey, Pacheco, and Mahomes are the only ones that you feel good about any given week. For the Chiefs. Otherwise, it's just throwing a dart and hoping for a touchdown. Jay, I'll close on this topic. This line is set at 48. We obviously, during what's on tap by, by Bud Light, we always go through the high totals. Am I crazy for thinking this line might be fool's gold? I mean, Kansas City's offense hasn't been what we're accustomed to seeing. They're still figuring it out. 
the Bears offense is the you know dysfunction with a capital D right now. Is this a little high to you, or are we buying in on maybe some garbage time offense here as well? Well, I think the thing is that after everything that's happened to the Bears, a lot of people have texted me saying, like, oh, the Bears are going to bounce back with all the dysfunction. Like, the, the issue is that their players are just a lot worse than Kansas City. It doesn't <laughs> matter how motivated they are to play well. Uh, I think it's going to be ugly for, uh, for Chicago. And Mahomes, with Kelsey, another week, right? I think this offense will look better, Connor. All right, with that, we're taking our last break. One more back. It's last call. We're sending Matthew Barry our pickup lines. Who's he going to roll with this week? Right after this. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the app and use promo code Barry when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. All right, as you see here, we're looking at DraftKings' biggest spreads of the weekend incoming here, Jay. And last segment for what's on tap, we obviously looked at the uh, biggest point totals as well. The highest spread of the week, the Chiefs favored by 12.5 points over the Bears. But this is the time of the show where we give Matthew Berry our pickup lines, is what I would say. What do you have for Berry this week, Jay? Still a kind of terrifying concept uh, segment in general, but uh, we continue to roll with it. Uh, Matthew, the Atlanta Falcon, who has the most targets so far this season, it's not Drake London, it's definitely not Kyle Pitts, it is Bijan Robinson, and his receiving yards prop on DraftKings is 23 and a half. The most amazing stat to me of week two, Connor, was that Bijan Robinson lined up at wide receiver 24 times. He is, and he's, he's just a monster. He is their best running back, clearly. He might be their best wide receiver as well. His snap percentage went up from 63 to 72% in week two. I think this is a thing that we forget with rookies. Like, they're rookies. They play more as the season goes on. Guys like Bijan, Jameer Gibbs, uh, Jordan Addison, they're going to see more run. And I think Bijan is just going to be continued to use as a weapon uh, out of the backfield, given that Desmond Ritter does not seem very good and cannot throw the ball down the field. So Bijan Robinson over 23 and a half receivers. Yards. He's gone over the first two games. Matthew, that's my pickup line. What do you got, Connor? All right, for Barry, I got, I'm going with the spread here, and I'm looking at a big one. The Dolphins favored by six and a half points against the Denver Broncos. Listen, this is pretty simple right here. I mean, Miami averaging 30 points through the first two weeks of the season. The Broncos under Russell Wilson last year, they only got over 20 points six times. I understand things are different under Sean Payton, but just how different are they, Jay? And a couple of things here on Denver's defense right now, which is a bit of a surprise. They are allowing passing touchdowns at the fifth highest rate in the league, and Denver is allowing the fourth highest passer rating against Jimmy Garoppolo and future Hall of Famer Sam Howell. What is Tua Tungabailoa and Mike McDaniel going to do to that Broncos team, Matthew Barry? Fair enough. The truth of the matter is, is I like both bets. I think both bets cash. I really like both. I wish I could take both of you home. Uh, but unfortunately, this is not Buffalo. Um, so uh, this is not our magical night in Buffalo, Jay. Uh, so I have to pick one. And I, I hate to say it, but I think I'm going to go with Connor here. Again, I, I like both bets here. I like both bets, but... When, I, when you boil it down, like, who do I want to count on more, Desmond Ritter or Mike McDaniel? I'm going to go with Mike McDaniel here. So I do think, again, both bets cash, but uh, I feel really good about the Dolphins here uh, at home against a Broncos team that shouldn't have been as close to the Commanders as they were. West Coast team traveling east for a 1 o'clock game. Miami in September is tough. Florida in September is tough. It is just – it's hot and sweaty and gross, and so – I'm going with Connor. 
Yep, no, I like that. I like as well that you hate riding with Connor's bets. Yeah. Connor batted a thousand on his bets last night on uh, yeah. on Thursday night football. One for one. Yeah. Can't miss that much if you only yeah. have one bet. Also, I don't believe in Desmond Ritter either, and that's why I like <laughs> the over on Bijan Robinson's receiving yards because I don't think he can throw down the field at all. It's gonna be a lot of dump offs to Bijan. Listen, and there I wasn't a, there wasn't a wrong choice for Barry last week because I went with the Bucks over the Bears that hit. You went with Christian McCaffrey's rushing prop, which hit almost instantly. It felt like. That's it for us for Barry out there somewhere in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> Lusa. For Jay, I'm Connor. Have a great weekend, everybody. Say hi to Jessica Chastain and Brad Pitt for us, Matthew. Will do. Roll Tide. <laughs>